Selling their houses. They already sold their cars. They went to buy clothes. So what does that say about you? You haven't sold your house yet. Uh, <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. So I, I'm a little bit sad because uh, Pastor Sharon's been sharing some stuff with me that is just amazing how God has been dealing with her about the subject. And uh, she left her journal at home and we only realized that five minutes ago. So, yeah. But you, you'll get it soon. Muniwarini, that come. Muniwarini, watch net. Watch net. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. So we love. Are we love streaming? We are. Good. Thank you. For those that are on live stream, welcome. I'm doing a Pastor Sharon. Welcome to those that are Deep Slurt, Nanasia, everywhere else, Joburg. Welcome. Amorgenzoon. Everybody, welcome. Amorgenzoon's <laughs> here today. I love it every time she does a prayer meeting and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, she welcomes everybody. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. <coughs> Praise the Lord. <coughs> so, if we're, going to do, if we're going to do crossover into Ecclesia economics and kingdom economics, what are the the biggest things that we are going to have to face? What's the biggest things that we will face in our crossover? What is it that we're going to face individually? What is it that we are going to face corporately? I would say that individually it's a lot more challenging for, for us to have a relationship on what happens to you individually because, uh, because what you experience is often inadequate to express in words. Many times what you're having, your encounters with God and your encounters with the Word are extremely challenging to express in words. Because how do you explain something so amazing and wonderful that happens to you? You know, um, <clears throat> I guess it's like... Uh, it's like when someone uh, falls in love with someone else. They can speak words of affection. They can speak words. But do those words ever adequately <coughs> explain what's really happening in your heart? You know, because 
that what's happening in your heart is so real, it's so big, it's so amazing uh, that, that you, can, you can deal with it, you know, with words. I mean, it's just often, so you will say words and you will try and give an expression, but it's not always enough. And so when we're in a kingdom, in a kingdom realization, in a kingdom <coughs> revelation, it might be a little bit challenging. Also, uh, I, I don't underestimate the power of changing a language and what the change of language does to the people. It, number one, causes us to have the same words and it's one of the ways that we, we have the same, uh, the same spirit. We're together in one accord. We're believing the same things because our words create that. But it is easier to hide behind words without being able to reveal the truth of what's going on. Because you can speak the same language, but not necessarily be experiencing the same thing in your heart or have a full revelation. So words can still be spoken, but it doesn't mean to say you've got it. You know, so I, 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 I would rather have people speaking the words with the belief that their words are going to create what they need in them. Yes? than to, to say, well, you're being hypocritical or you're being false because you don't, your words and what, you, what you're knowing doesn't line up. No, I'd rather have you speak the words so that what you do know does line up. But it does make it a little more challenging for you to give me your expression and for me to fully understand what's going on in you. Yes? So, But when it comes to an ecclesia, there seems to be a, a group anointing, there seems to be a corporate anointing, there seems to be something that elevates all of our individual experiences and elevates us into a corporate experience that lifts all of us up together in a greater degree than our individual experience can do. And so the corporate experience is always a very powerful experience, which is why the, the, the book, the, the, the Bible says that we should not forsake the gathering together of ourselves, because if you forsake the gathering together of yourselves, then you diminish the corporate experience. I, I think that, uh, and this is just a little bit of a side note, but I think we are in for a big surprise as to how big a role artificial intelligence is going to play in our society. And the damage, the further damage it's going to be doing to relationships, to society. It's going to isolate people more. It's going to... So we, we, I believe what the Word of God says, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. I believe we have to be walking in the more grace because the sin is going to isolate people, separate people, and cause people to want to be hidden in a maze of their own self, their self nature, their self-stuff, and the corporate experience is actually where there's a strong anointing that God can use to change us together in one accord, all of our belief at the same time, inspiring each other, motivating each other, lifting each other. There's a powerful way of doing that if you're having those days. So, uh, 
as we go forward, we're going to need the wisdom of God. I can read the Bible and I can use the Bible as God's pattern for victory. Remember when I talked about faith? Many years ago, I started to say words like, faith is not a formula success. Faith is God's pattern for victory. Because the minute we try and make a formula out of anything, we're trying to put it in a box. The minute we put it in a box, then it becomes, I input, I must get output. God is never an input-output person in that way. He's a dynamic living being that wants us to have a dynamic living relationship. So he'll show us a pattern, and then we can live in the pattern, but wisdom is how you implement or you live with the pattern in any given culture, in any given situation, in even any group of people. The pattern is what we need to seek. Many years ago, uh, we, were, we used to go to Brother Jerry's uh, conferences that he used to have every year around about April. Um, at that time, I mean, he now has his cabinet, his cabinet meeting around about March, April time frame. Those years ago, he used to call it uh, Spirit of Revival. Or, or Catch the Fire Conference, or Revival Fires, something like that it was called. And he used to, he used to take out an, or, or some kind of a conference center in Arlington, or one of those places, and he would have, typically Kenneth Copeland would come, or Roberts would come, uh, there would be a whole number of people that would come and be a guest speaker in those conferences. And we were privileged at one year that, that he had a tent meeting pitched in his as, as it turns out, Dr. Harry was in that same meeting. Dr. Harry was in the tent meeting with Kenneth Hagen when we were in the same tent meeting with Kenneth Hagen when he was at Bible school in Fort Worth Crowley. We only figured that out when they came and stayed for the weekend. How about that, eh? Quite something. Our, cross, our paths were crossing even then. We didn't know each other. We didn't until later. But praise the Lord. Destiny, eh? God's purpose. Praise the Lord. But uh, uh, yeah, we, used to go, we used to go to those, to those conferences every year. And uh, it was always a very, a very powerful moment for us that we could go and sit there and enjoy the corporate anointing. The corporate flow of us being together and what the corporate would do to us, the corporate lifting up, the corporate anointing that would bring a, a, a momentum and a go forward for us. It's a very, very powerful thing to have that and to experience that because what it does is it marks you and in the marking of you, your mark will leave a mark with others. And that's the power of what we do and where we grow corporately is that we get marked. Our mark can mark others, can affect others, can touch others, can impact others. And if we neglect the getting together corporately, if we neglect that, then we are going to be the, the worse off for that. Don't you think? Uh, as, as, we, as we continue to grow and as we continue to find momentum in, in the way God is leading us in this crossover in um, Ecclesia economics and kingdom economics, I believe God is going to reveal wisdom to us and He's going to reveal uh, opportunities for us that are beyond our 
beyond our wildest imaginations that we are even able to think of right now. Yeah? Amen. So for those of you who've had lunch, you know what they say, Mach is full? Work is up. Work is up. When you work is not up on a Sunday, you work is too up on a Sunday. Once you work is up, your eyes open. This is going to be 40 minutes. Can you give me attention for 40 minutes? Hey, is it good? Are you ready for this stuff? Whatever, whatever we are going to go into, uh, we have to trust that the Holy Spirit knows how to guide us and lead us, and we have to trust. We have to trust the Lord. We have to trust the Holy Spirit. We have to trust God more than we trust ourselves, more than we trust the systems. The way the Holy Spirit led the people in the New Testament church was there was, a, there was a, a knowledge base that they could draw from, which was they grew up as covenant people in Israel. They grew up with the commandments of God. They grew up with the life that Jewish Israelites, Hebrews lived. They lived in Hebrew communities, in Jewish communities. They lived with each other. They lived with the commandment of the Lord that every Sabbath day was a rest day. They lived with the commandment of the Lord that they needed to give offerings for different things. Wave offerings, peace offerings, burnt, burnt offerings, just different offerings at different feasts at different times. All of these things was a pattern that they grew up with. You know, and uh, um, pattern is a very important thing in the Bible. And one of the, one of the people that Brother Jerry invited to one of those meetings that we attended was a guy by the name of, uh, do you remember his name, Sharon? The Jewish man? A Jewish man. He, he had amazing teachings that he, as a Jewish man, a born-again Hebrew, um, he, he, he taught stuff. No. No, um, Shane wasn't uh, Hebrew. Uh, he was a, he was a Jewish. He was a Jewish uh, a Jewish man. Yeah, I think he wrote a book, but he certainly preached the message in one of those services. He preached the message: when the pattern is right, the glory will fall. And the whole essence of his teaching, the whole essence of what he brought to those meetings, that brother Dick Rubin, his name was Dick Rubin. What he did, I mean, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but, but uh, you know, he, he really had a revelation which he, he, he gleaned from his, his, his Jewish upbringing and his Jewish roots about all of these patterns that they followed as a group of people, the commands, the patterns, the order of God. And so he brought that rich knowledge, if you like, into the New Testament, into the New Testament church. And, you know, there's a lot to be learned uh, there's a lot of interesting information to be given to us by the way the Jews interpret feasts, offerings, uh, imagery, 
symbolism, all of the things that the, the Jewish people have, which is a reflection of the Christ. Because everything they were doing was a reflection of the Christ. So, you know, whilst I went through a whole season, both Sharon and I, we went through a season, many years in our, in our, in our lives where we learned about, about the Jewish symbolism and imagery and, and all, of the, all of the feasts and fasts and offerings and all of the stuff that, that you go through, the tabernacle and all of the imagery of the, of, the, of the washing away of sins and the imagery of and the leading of and the symbolism of the Christ that was to come, the Lamb of God that was going to be sacrificed. Everything leads to that. And while that is interesting and it makes for interesting uh, Christian experience, I found that over the years, the church has tended to move away from that, mostly because uh, we are no so, not so much uh, moved anymore by the symbolism. We're more, in, we're more driven by what's God got for us now and what's God doing with us for tomorrow, today, tomorrow, and our immediate now. And much of that symbolism, although it's interesting and gives us a, a great, wonderful base of knowledge, it doesn't really change what we do. The Holy Spirit is the one that changes what we do. The Holy Spirit guides us and leads us. But one thing that we remember both from Dick Rubin was his teaching that he did, and, and certainly it's helped to really establish some things in our lives. When the pattern is right, the glory will fall. Because God does work with patterns. He does work with patterns. So if we're going to be in an ecclesia church and we're going to have a kingdom mindset, we have to observe what patterns God has established in the New Testament church. And when Jesus was on the earth, we should take that as a pattern, that as our baseline, and see how God gives us wisdom to go forward in establishing our pattern. Amen. So if I say faith is not a formula, but it's God's pattern for victory, I'm making a distinction. I'm saying faith is not just about a set of words, that when you speak a set of words, those words automatically produce a result. No, because the Bible says that words are seeds. And seeds are going to go into your heart. What happens to the seeds in your heart is a matter of the condition of your heart. So if your heart has hardened parts to it, wherever the seed falls on hard hearts, there will be no return. Wherever the seed falls on a, a piece of soil that's got thorns and weeds or whatever, it will choke it. If there's, uh, if there's uh, circumstances that will come and try and steal the word, That'll also happen, right? <clears throat> but there's some parts of your heart that are fertile, well-prepared. No weeds. There's no birds that come in to steal it. You've got a good protection system going there. And so when you protect your heart from that, and it brings forth 30, 60, and 100 fold. That's God's pattern, right? This is the pattern of the word. So if I say... Uh, faith is a formula to success. No, it means I, I'm trying to predetermine what seed is going to do. But you can't predetermine what seed. The pattern of seed is right. 
but a seed, the condition of the seed will be dependent on the soil. Yeah, ne. So, for us, we always have to <coughs> say, where's the pattern? <coughs> and, and see what God's got for us. So, if we're going to go into Ecclesia, I have to read to you from Acts chapter 6. And uh, I'm going to only touch on this portion of Ecclesia economics. And uh, we'll see how the Lord leads us in the weeks to come. These are in my same notes. I haven't changed my notes since. I haven't changed my notes since when I was preparing for this series of meetings. Same notes. I just didn't get to all of it yet. Huh. I added some things uh, in preparation. So if I needed to talk to you about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, uh, then I could have that for you if that's how the Holy Spirit led me to do it. But but these are still part of my original set of notes that I prepared before the Lord. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. The New King James Version. Is that Jessica at the back there? Hey, Jessica. Ah, there we go. Is that you with the verses, Jessica? It is. Now the pressure's on you, the spotlight's on you. Eh? But you can handle it. <laughs> Acts 6 verse 1. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, will you all say it with me? Multiplying. The disciples were multiplying. The disciples were multiplying. Things were multiplying. What did I get to preach in July last year? Multiplication. We are entering a season of multiplication. We are preparing everything in this ministry for multiplication. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So look what happens when things get to multiply. Now there arose a complaint. Whoa, Pastor John, why do you bring that in there? Because it's a real thing. When multiplications happen, complaints happen. Yeah, it's like I always say, messy to marvelous. You can't have marvelous without messy. And so we shouldn't try and see the church as this perfect church, because we're not any one of us. We're all messy. Hey, we're all messy, except maybe Dr. Nico, or maybe Dr. Amanda. I mean, they like together. Come on, I can tease all of you because I know you. I live with you. Praise the Lord for that. I love that. I love that. Hallelujah. No, I mean, we're all messy. There's some part of our life that's messy. Even them. There's some part, <laughs> there's some part of our lives that's messy that God's got to bring us to marvelous. There's not one of us that got it perfect. There's not one of us that have got everything together all the time except me. <laughs> Because <laughs> you know what they say, when the boss is wrong, he's still right. <laughs> no, 
Now, we, none of us are perfect. None of us have got it all together. But we can say, like the Apostle Paul, we strive towards it. We press towards that mark of the high calling. We press for it. We go for it. We're going to make changes. We're going we're to bring ourselves to that point where we, that God changes our messy to marvelous. Here, when the multiplying was happening, the complaints were happening. And so I would be naive as a leader if I thought, Everything we're going to do is just going to be hunky-dory. Everybody's just angelic in everything we do. Everything's, there's no one's going to have anything to say about anything. It's just, uh, you know. Don't let my halo slip, please. You know, it's just not going to happen. There's going to be complaints. There's going to be complaints. There's always going to be complaints. People are going to complain about things. So what do I have to do? I can't say, well, hey, if you complain, you're less than someone else. No, I, I have to learn to deal with complaints. Complaints can be healthy. I mean, they can be unhealthy too because people that have unhealthy complaints can divide. They can murmur. They can gossip. They can do many things that, that are detrimental to the church. And that's not a healthy thing. But complaints that lead to a better way of doing things, that's healthy. That's how you change messy to marvelous. Come on. And so if we're going to go into the season of, of multiplying and we're going into the season of, of um, kingdom economics and ecclesia economics, then we're going to be in a place where we are going to have complaints. Notice how the apostles handled the complaints. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. In other words, there were Jews that were Greek Jews and there were Jerusalem Jews. And so now the Greek Jews were complaining that their widows were not as well looked after as the Jew Jews, the Jerusalem Jews, widows. I mean, hey, come on, this is such a marginal thing. But it's an important thing because, but isn't it amazing that marginal messy issues become the main thing? How does that happen? But it always happens. The marginal messy things become the big headlines. So what happened to widows that were under the, under the Jewish order? What happens to the widows that were part of the Jewish community? Who took care of them? Well, they would be known to the rabbis, they would be known to the priests, they would be known to the community, and then the community would be giving of their substance to, uh, to the rabbis, to the priests, to the community, and the community would take care of the widows. This was a thing. This is how God told them to deal with the widows in the Old Testament. So now... There is a great crossover coming out of the Jewish covenant community. There's a lot of people coming out of the Jewish covenant community. And they crossed over from being Jews to being Christians. So, I mean, I can't really say that because they're always going to be Jews. But you know what I mean. Instead of living as though the Messiah was coming, they understood the Messiah had come. So they became Christian Jews. So the Christian Jews were excommunicated. They were pushed out of their society. 
So the widows were no longer being looked after by the synagogues, the rabbis, the elders, the community were no longer looking after these widows. So who was looking after the widows? When the people sold their houses, sold their goods, sold everything and came and put the feet, the money at the feet of the apostles, the apostles recognized we have a whole new level of, of responsibility because the money is not here to make the apostles wealthy. The money wasn't there so that they could just live as they choose to live. The money was there to grow the church, to look after what's happening in the church. Hey? So when the complaint came, the apostles didn't say, hey, shush, man, we're too busy with church growth. They said, we have to deal with this complaint because if we don't look after the widows, we have a problem because that's not the way the Lord and the Master, Jesus, taught us. He taught us that we've got to look after the poor. We've got to look after the widows. We've got to look after the orphans. This is our responsibility. We've got to do this thing. So, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Daily. Daily. This was a daily thing. Have you got food for today? Have you got someone fetching your water? Has someone taken care of whatever you need in your household? Have you got a place to sleep tonight? Are you protected? Are you safe? Are you what would normally happen? Are you there? Are you okay? Everybody was checking on them daily. Wow. This is quite something, eh? Phew. I wonder what would happen if we lived in each other's pockets daily. I think it would be quite quick to find out who knows what about each other. The Mike exchange students know. They live with each other daily. And you know, they're doing great. They are living proof that actually we can do this. Yeah, if it's up, up to the adults, ek weet nie so mooi nie. Ek weet nie so mooi nie. So then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples. So it would be like we all, I call a meeting, and we all come together and ask, I'm calling the multitude of the disciples. Not just the elders, the multitude of the disciples. Lots of them came. They summoned them into an ecclesia meeting. They were called, they were summoned. The ek, the calling, the ek to assemble. So ek, Kleseo is the ek, the calling to assemble, Kleo, to meet together, the calling, the calling to meet. So the disciples, what did they do? They summoned them. They called them to assemble. To do what? To make governing decisions. And this is what they said. It's not desirable that we, the apostles, should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, 
Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Wow. So let's call out people. Let's call out people that are full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit. Let's call them out. So we call all the multitude of disciples. Hey, we have a complaint here. The complaint is that widows are not being taken care of or they're not Jerusalem widows or they're not Hebrew widows. And we need to fix this problem. But it's not a good idea for us to give ourselves to fixing this problem. Let's find men of wisdom and men filled with the Holy Spirit that don't have private agendas or have opinions or have much to say about the apostles or about how much money has come in here for the distribution amongst the people. Let's find men of wisdom and of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, that can manage this on the behalf of the multitudes, because we, the apostles, must continue to pray and give ourselves to the Word. Amen. If you want to know what God's doing in 2024, in Heritage of Faith, here... I'll tell you, God is raising up people that are full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit, and they are willing, ready, and able to do God's business amongst us. Yeah. And when we do that, we are going to be taking care of the distribution of things. Sometimes that distribution is not just in making sure people's food is taken care of. But I'm, I'm doing what I believe the Lord needs me to do right now. And that is I'm getting on, on YouTube daily and Instagram and all those places. And I'm ministering the word to you on crossover moments about the kingdom of God. I believe God wants to increase the word of God, the bread of God that is, needs to be given daily, distributed daily. So that everybody's needs are taken care of. So in this case, it would be spiritual needs, but there's also going to be natural needs. And what's going to happen? I know. I know this. The floodgates of finances are going to open and they're going to fill our, our bank accounts so that those that are appointed to take care of that business will get paid for it. They'll get their needs taken care of. That's my belief. That's what I'm pressing for. I have sown seed, ministry seed and personal seed towards making that happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We are entering in a season where we are going into the ecclesia economics. And we are not just going to be a people that live in kingdom economics where... And this is where I'm starting to make the distinction. And as we go ahead, we'll, we'll start to talk more about this. Kingdom and economics has traditionally been taught and, and spoken like this. That if you have to have a kingdom mindset, and you have to have a God is more than enough mindset, and we have dominion on the earth mindset, it's all true. That's all real. It's all true. It's all the truth. But it's very much how I interpret that and how I personally live that. So to the extent that I love kingdom economics is to the extent that I will be able to be of value in the kingdom. But actually kingdom economics is just something that is a grand 
thing where you either live by the revelation or you don't. Where Ecclesia Economics is all about making sure that the church, the local church, the part of the church that you're connected to is thriving, healthy and well and everything is being distributed in the church. The wisdom and the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of God and the Holy Spirit is taking care of all of the things that must happen and thrive and grow and make the local church bigger, better, more powerful and more effective. Ecclesia Economics. Are you guys beginning to get a better understanding of what Ecclesia Economics is? That, that it's not a versus in kingdom economics versus Ecclesia Economics. It's we all live in kingdom economics, but we must also understand Ecclesia Economics. That you go from living personal economics or personal kingdom mindset, personal worldview mindset that's kingdom oriented, that's dominion orientated, that's living in the abundance and the wealth that God has designed for each of us to live by. But as I bring that in with faith, it now belongs into the Ecclesia. And the Ecclesia becomes the outlet for us to have a more impactful way of using money. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I think I'm done. You're only just waking up from your lunch. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come read it, my darling. So, Pastor John, while you were reading the scripture, I was reading it out of the Passion. Yes. And it says, yes, during those days, the number of... Jesus' followers kept multiplying greatly, but a complaint was brought against those by Greek-speaking Jews who felt their widows were being overlooked during the daily distribute of food. The 12 apostles called a meeting yes. of all the believers and told them, it's not advantageous for us to be pulled away from the word of God to wait on tables. We want you to carefully select. This word carefully select is select with awe. Wow. Hey, my darling. Select with awe in the presence of the Lord. It's a whole different way of selection. Yes. So select from among yourselves seven godly men. Make sure they're honorable, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And we will give them the responsibility of this crucial ministry of serving. That will enable us to give our full attention to prayer and preaching the word of God. Everyone in the church loved this idea. And the Aramaic is translated, this proposal appeared beautiful. So I just thought they chose seven men, one of whom was Stephen. Right. Give me, thank you. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. So there's some things that are going to happen. And uh, uh, Tuesday night will be another surprise. I'm not unveiling, I'm not opening my whole kimono to you all at once. <laughs> God is going to take us in a new direction on, uh, uh, on Tuesday nights. There's going to be some things that are happening. Prayer meeting is always going to be the reason we get together, but it's how we do it. 
It's how we go about it. Pastor John, you should tell us so we can be prepared. No. Jylle moet kom sien. En jy must experience. If you're in Joburg or you're in Diepsluit or you're in some other place, you know, and you're morgenzond, if you're connecting via live stream, you will experience. Amen. Praise the Lord. Marty, I think you'll still be with us on Tuesday. Hey? Are you only leaving back on Wednesday or are you leaving, or are you leaving on Tuesday? <laughs> yeah, because you can, I was just going to say, because Clarence is also an online streaming platform now. We have some people in Clarence. And so it's going all over the place. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to Jesus. Aren't you, aren't you like, don't you have this expectation that God's just on us? This is what crossover does. This is what, this is what the, the December focus on God starts to, the energy starts to build. The dedication, the devotion, the obedience starts to build. It starts to do things. Yeah. You know, for Sharon and I, we, we made a decision a long time ago that whatever God shows us, we have to be obedient. We must be obedient. We want to be obedient. And whatever other people decide or don't decide, whatever facet causes or doesn't cause, whatever issues get brought up because of it, we still have to do what God tells us to do. And we understand that complaints arise. We understand that there's always messy where there is marvelous busy happening. And so, you can't have a baby without a messy nappy. If you want babies, you've got to have messy nappies. So if you're complaining, consider yourself. <laughs> stop, John. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Whatever you interpret, I didn't finish the sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for coming to Message Moments. Thank you for being wonderful. Thank you for coming back from lunch. And uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he, may he cause His face to shine upon you. And may His peace be with you wherever you go. Amen. Bye, y'all.